chat was lovely. Lovely, lovely. We bring a message from... Oh, let me say this. Madison, before you go home today, Vanessa is downstairs waiting to see you. Okay? Okay. So you can play ball with her and you can stop and see her. Okay? Thank you. Um, From the Gospel of Matthew today, in the 25th chapter, the first verse, continue to hear kingdom speech. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. And when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going dim. But the wise replied, Not, or no, uh, there will not be enough for us and for you. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And then from Joshua, the 24th chapter. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. And you need to know Shechem was a holy, holy site. One of the most religious sites in all of Israel at that time. And he summoned the elders and the heads and the judges and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your ancestors, Terah and his sons, Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river, led him through all the land of Canaan, and made his offsprings many, and gave him Isaac. And to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And then the text goes on. Jacob goes to Egypt. What else happens? The man named Moses comes and frees them from their plight of slavery, even as God plagued Egypt to let them be free. The ancestors come out of Egypt and are pursued by the Egyptians, yet they drowned in the sea. The Lord provides darkness and light. 
They wander in the wilderness for some time and then come to live in the land of the Amorites. And the Israelites take possession of their land. And the Lord says, and I destroyed them before you. And he talks about Balak and Balaam and the donkey. So you can look that text up if you want to. And how the Lord was with them. He talks about the city of Jericho where Joshua fit to battle and the walls come a-tumbling down. You know that one? And by the way, in case you're wondering, murder hornets are not a new thing because he also talks about the hornets that he sent ahead of the Israelites to drive out the Amorites from their land. And the text says, And I gave you land, says the Lord, on which you had not labored. It was not by your sword or your bow. Because God did it. And then we come to 14. Now therefore revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us out. And our ancestors from the land of Egypt, out from the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us along the way that, they, that we went, and among the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites, who lived in the land. Therefore we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn away and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve. And they said, We are witnesses. And he said, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and him we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and made statutes and ordinances for them, statutes and ordinances for them at Shechem. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, y'all been watching the news this week? 
Nope, I'm the only one? Oh, okay. Let me ask you if you heard about this story in the news. Did you hear about a man called Al Biero Suarez? Not a one. I read a story about him I had to put on Facebook asking where the citation was because I couldn't remember. But Al Biero Suarez was a mission partner in the Presbyterian Church of Columbia. He was once a combatant, a soldier. The president of Colombia has praised him for helping bring peace to the nation and working for reconciliation and an end to war. And he was assassinated this week. Shot to death for living out his Christian faith, for seeking to follow the Prince of Peace and bringing peace to his land. Most of us didn't hear a word about it. Did you hear this week about the Presbyterian Church in Cameroon? That's Cameroon, West Africa, everybody. When I mentioned this a few weeks ago, somebody said, Is that Cameron, West Virginia? <laughs> Presbyterian Church in Cameroon is much like the Presbyterian Church used to be here in the States. They are a social service agency as well as a church, so many of the hospitals in the country exist because of the Presbyterian Church. Many of the schools, parochial schools and higher education, exist because the Presbyterian Church has made them what they are. This week, armed soldiers came into one of the schools, took 32 children out of the school, and several of the staff members kidnapped them and held them for several days. They returned the children but they have not returned the staff. And no one knows what will happen to them, but we can presume from previous experience that it will not end well. Over half the schools that Presbyterians have started in Cameroon have been closed Seven of the hospitals are, have been decimated. In a place where people are just trying to serve Christ and serve the people. Many of you know that my uh, seminary experience included studying with men from Pakistan. Those men are now highly successful in the Presbyterian Church of Pakistan. One is the moderator of the entire denomination. The other is the general secretary for the church. When I saw him last, I said, Max, I'm so worried about you. Things in your part of the country are so bad. I'm worried that someone is going to kill you. And he said, oh, no, don't worry about, don't worry about that. Nobody will kill me for being a Presbyterian. He said, what they'll do is they'll take my children. And he said it just like that, completely matter-of-fact, like this is how we live. And I said, aren't you terrified by that? And he said, 
I can't think about it, because if I did, I'd never get anything done. See, friends, why am I telling you these stories today? For, for one thing, I know that some of the people who are listening on the radio today don't believe that there is such a thing as the persecuted church in the world. Let me assure you, friends, the church is persecuted throughout the world. Let me also assure you, friends, that nothing irritates me more than whiny American Christians who think that we are persecuted for our faith. Okay, now stay with me, because some of you are already starting to check out. Let me talk to you about what the difference is, right? You say, well, America's not as a Christian a nation as it once was. We used to believe this. We used to have everybody in church. We used to raise our kids in Sunday school. We used to blah, blah, blah. We used to not hear about the Muslims or the Jews or the Hindus. Well, that's true. But that's not persecution. You can even say things like, well, they're making laws that disagree with my understanding of Christian faith. They won't let the Ten Commandments be on the courthouse anymore. That may be annoying. It may even be wrong. But it is not persecution. Let me tell you what I mean by that. This week, I wrote a letter on behalf of this church to a candidate for state government because he and his entourage were out here on the four corners and they forgot that one of the four corners is not a business, it's a church. And they brought their partisan signs on our lawn and they took pictures in front of our sign and they stood on the wall and left mud everywhere and violated every principle of church and state that exists in our country. And I wrote him a letter saying, you owe us an apology. I do not stay up at night waiting to receive that apology. But nor do I stay up at night having articulated in writing a complaint to a government official worrying that the state and its troops are going to come into my house and break down my door and carry me away and put me on trial for that criticism. See the difference between persecution and disagreement? It it occurs to me that, you know, my friends who are in mission service elsewhere, for them, in some ways, it's much easier to know what the choices are. It's obvious to them, this group of people are murderous, they're corrupt. They're killing children. They're starving the people. Nothing that Christ stands for. Choose this day whom you will serve. I'm going to choose this one over here. I don't want to kill any little kids. I don't want to starve people. 
I don't want to even see that happening. I don't even live in a world where that exists. For us, it is harder. Have you watched the news this week? One national candidate who everybody says, particularly evangelical Christians say, is a God-fearing man elected by God to serve our nation. His opponent, people say, is a God-fearing man who goes to church every day and is obviously a Christian. How do you choose? How do you choose what is really for us to follow? See, in this text today, Joshua says to the people, Choose whom you will serve. And four different times he has to get them to agree. Yep, we're going to serve the Lord. Yep, we're going to serve the Lord. Yep, we're going to serve the Lord. Yep, we're witnesses to the fact we're going to serve the Lord. Why did he do that? Well, one, because he probably didn't believe them. And two, because it's really hard to figure out. In some contexts, it's obvious. This one maybe have been a little obvious because they probably would have had statues and idols and obvious things to look at and say, that's from another religion, but I'm going to worship it anyway. The Amorites and the Canaanites seem like they have it pretty good. I'll follow their God. And I'll follow my God because what does my God care? Well, your God cares because your God is holy. And your God is jealous. And what that means is you cannot follow that holy and jealous God and follow another God or gods. You're saying to me, well, what are the gods or gods? Well, Luther says anything you fear, anything you trust, anything you put your loyalty in, is a God. Actually, he says it's an idol. So what are we to do? And how are we to choose? Well, one of the things we're to do is to remember that our God is holy and jealous. To remember that we must seek after God and God's ways. we got to work hard at knowing what it is God wants in our world and how we are to operate. We need to be continually seeking prayer, studying the Bible, looking at how that works in our world. And if we are truly following God, we're following something else. Joshua says, choose this day. You make the choice. You opt for what you will do. Choose whom you will serve. And serve also means choose whom you will be loyal to. 
Who are you, who, to whom are you going to give your allegiance? And one of the ways that people try to figure that out is they look at the history of what God has done, both for them as individuals and for them as a nation. Look how glorious God has been. God has taken care of them from the time of Abraham all the way up through Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Aaron, Miriam, and now Joshua. God has kept every promise that God has ever made to them, given them food and water and sustenance and land where they can live happily ever after. If they just shut up and stop fighting with their neighbors, which, by the way, is what the next hmm, six or seven books is about. God, you see, demands our soul attention, our soul service, our loan loyalty. I don't know how we decide that exactly. But I do know we need to look at our history to study our Bible, and to be deeply in prayer. To be sure we're doing just that. And the other thing that Joshua says is, if you find yourself not doing that, repent. Acknowledge your sin before God. Turn from your ways. Turn to the one true God who has created the universe, made all that is, and has loved you from the start. Choose this day whom you will serve. Oh, in justice and in righteousness, remember that serving God is not just about showing up in worship. Justice and righteousness, as my Old Testament professor used to say in her very thick Dutch accent, your worship don't mean nothing if you ain't living right. Part of choosing this day whom you will serve and demonstrating that is living a life of righteousness and justice. Caring for your neighbor the widow, the orphan, the downtrodden, the one in need. It's written all over the Hebrew text. But that is what the people of Israel are to do in gratitude to God for the gifts God has given. Beloved, choose this day whom you will serve. in righteousness and justice. Amen.